Welcome to the Conscious Conversations podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Nick Paladino King. And I'm Nitin Gerg. We are transformational coaches and yogis from the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is a podcast for people looking to take their lives to the next level. Through these conversations, we aim to raise the consciousness of our lives, the lives of our listeners, and the wholeness. So get ready to join us on this great adventure of life by taking a moment to settle in, become fully present in this moment, and see where the journey takes you next. Welcome, everyone. This next conversation anchors around a particular saying I've often used, which is, there's way more to life than what appears at the surface. And that becomes really clear as Sophia DeMoss, who we speak with next, shares some of her life experiences and how many coincidenting events add up to what really ends up becoming a miracle. This may seem like a little voo-voo to some of you out there who are a little bit on the fence and haven't quite crossed that bridge yet, but I would still challenge you to to take the time to listen to this conversation, challenge some of your assumptions, and perhaps open up a higher possibility for yourself in your life. Listen in. Okay. All right. We are live, team. Uh, welcome to Conscious Conversations with Nick and Nitin. I'm your host, Nick, and today we have Sophia. Sophia, how are you doing? Great to have you on. We are delighted to, to talk to you about consciousness, God, about some of your books that you have written, and some of the miracles that you have seen and witnessed in your life. So um, author, therapist, former business owner, architect, sounds like you've had a full life, a full uh, full experience. So we're excited to meet you. Um, would you take, like to take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, maybe share something with us to help us all get present? Uh, I'll take, we'll take from there. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, And uh, it just sounds uh, that you guys are on the right track. So um, I was 19 when I had an experience uh, that started the whole thing. Uh, I was sort of in uh, existential angst as all uh, young adults are. And there were two issues that were uh, really pressing me to what I considered big issues. Uh, And what happened uh, in a matter of within two months, a dream and a man appeared and my two issues were solved and I was transformed. So I, it was a series of, I would say, coincidences. And that was remarkable to me. So from that age, I began paying attention and things just happened. uh, And these coincidences and, and miracles, and I would tell my friends about my miracles and they would say, oh, these things only happen to you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's weird. You know, I'm not a saint. I'm not a guru. I'm ordinary, you know. And then uh, about 11 years ago, actually, an astrologer told me that I should write a book. And a medium that I found myself 
accidentally in front of, told me I was going to write a book. And I argued with her. Absolutely not. I, I'm a people person. I'm not going to sequester myself and write a book. And I have nothing to say anyway. And then uh, she just looked at me and listened. And when I was finished, very calmly, she said, Spirit says when she's ready, there are many spirits here to help her and many hands on earth. And that's how it went down. And 11 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, when I was turning 60, I um, reconnected with a childhood friend and I told her my latest miracle. And she says, oh, Sophia, these things only happen to you. And something clicked. I thought, you know what? It's, an, it's been an inordinate amount of miracles. And I meditated on it. And what came up was that when I saw a coincidence, I took action. And that was the key. Looking back on all the coincidences that turned into miracles, I took action. Had I not, they would have just remained a coincidence. So that is how the book began. And um, the title of the book is The Divine Language of Coincidence, How Miracles Transformed My Life After I Began Paying Attention. But there were so many coincidences and miracles that I, I made a list of all of them. And there were so many to cram into one book. So I picked out the ones that had to do with death. So that book is at the publisher and hopefully it will be published within a year. And the title of that book is Consciousness Beyond Death, True Stories of Science, Messages and Timing. And um, I'm really excited about that one. Me too. I saw I saw that that one was coming out and that you were working on it. That sounded like a fascinating topic. It's I cannot believe that these things have happened, but they have. Um, and of the ten chapters, seven are my experiences, and uh, the three are close friends, and they are absolutely astounding. Um, the book ends with an out-of-body experience. I had an out-of-body experience during a guided meditation. And it was just amazing. Uh, I've always wanted to ask a yogi, like, what really happened? So maybe I can ask you, and you could give me your take. Maybe. What, what, let's dive in, what, if, you're, <laughs> if you're willing to share and uh, what, let's, let's see what comes out. Yes. This was, uh, it was my friend's mother who I consider to be an ascended master um, in her, uh, in her eighties. And uh, so she invited me to have a meditation when she came to visit with my friend. And she started out by just saying, um, just bringing our attention to the uh, base of the spine, you know, the, and, and just uh, bringing our attention uh, to a, a red garden, 
that we were in a red garden. Everything was red. And then she went to the uh, solar plexus. She never used the word chakra. But now we're in an orange garden. And instead of the seven chakras, she did five. So when we got to the heart chakra, now we're in a green garden. And at first it was like, oh, this is odd. But I thought, no, go with the flow. This woman is amazing. So right when she had us enter the green garden, I felt this physical sensation, almost like, like this motion, like a, like a, table saw or something and it was going whoosh whoosh right cutting right through my heart and i'm like this is so bizarre and i tried to stay in the green garden but i couldn't believe the sensation and then we get to the purple garden the third eye and that sensation continued but now there's another sensation added. And this one was vertical, like whoop, 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 whoop. And this is happening simultaneously. And I'm like, okay, just remember what this feels like because you have to find out what this is. And then we were invited to go to bring our attention to the crown and enter a crystalline white garden. The minute I entered, this white light garden, the sensation suddenly just stopped and I am floating in light. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't have a body. Oh my God. And then something told me, this is where you came from and this is where you're gonna go. And that was my experience and uh, uh, when we were brought back into the room. My mother's friend was tears. She says, oh my, I just don't know what will happen. So maybe you could um, shed some light. I, I think you just did from walk, walking, walking us walking us through. I mean, what comes to mind for me is uh, we actually, we spoke about death on our last podcast or the one be two ago, which was very interesting. We went deep into suicide. I'm reading a book right now called How to Die um, by Seneca. And it's, it's so it's a very, it's the topic is up for me. It sounds like it's up for you. It didn't, it was up for you a couple weeks ago with us. And in the book, he refers to how there's nothing to fear around death because we've already been nothing. So why are we afraid to become nothing? And that, that one really stuck with me. And that's what's coming up for me as you're talking of this experience of, no mind or nothingness or consciousness, which is beyond the physical unit. Uh, and it sounds to me like you had an experience of what that, what that is. Yeah. I got it. I got it. In oneness. I got a sneak peek. So I, uh, I, I feel without a trace of doubt that all you, all that happens when you die is you shed your body. That's it. And, and what kills me is that, to know all these scientists out there that they spend their lives, their life's work trying to prove consciousness. I just think that's hysterical. I mean, none of this could happen without consciousness. And so I, I find that very entertaining. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, people have got to stay busy in some way. So we all <laughs> we all find our ways to stay busy. Yeah, uh, there's this uh, one guy who offered a contest. He had a contest of whoever could, you had to be a scientist. So I couldn't even enter. Um, and he was uh, forking over almost a million dollars. I forget his name. And uh, to prove consciousness. So, but it's it's so real to me. You know, there's no question. Yeah. What you described yeah. is also very, I mean, it, it's some of the things you describe, you know, going up the spine, starting at the very base of the spine and going sequentially, you know, when we learn about chakras and energy centers and, and just, just the spinal centers, right. And, and just yogic texts for someone that who hasn't experienced any of it or hasn't been through a guided meditation necessarily in that way. Um, you know, just from a theoretical perspective, what you just described, those are some of the color attributes and, and things associated with some of the chakras and also some of the sometimes shapes associated. But it's really beautiful, actually, the way your, you know, your friend's mother here that led you through the meditation uh, was able to, instead of focusing on just a color or just a shape, was just like, oh, you're in this colored garden, which kind of makes you feel like, Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Well, everything is going to color now. Uh, and no ifs and buts about it. It's not limited to this one shape or anything like that. I was interested in going and uh, doing a meditation myself in that way now at, at the next time. Um, and then once you got to some of the higher centers, um, as you were describing, uh, at least from, you know, and this is more theoretical because I, I haven't yet experienced any of those things. Um, people experience them differently is what it what seems to be. You know, you experience sort of this like horizontal cutting, almost uh, dynamic at the heart center and you experience a vertical dynamic at these, uh, you know, um, the third eye center, which is right in between the eyebrows. Um, that one, I think I've, I've heard more commonly, um, oh. is that there's, there is a vertical sort of energy movement that occurs once you, once you're really in tune with your third eye center. Um, and then of course you went beyond third eye because in typical meditations, uh, oftentimes we actually just go to the third eye and come back down oh. because you're actually, you only really go to the seventh center when your bottom six are aligned and ready. Hmm. But yours was ready, it sounds like. And so you had this out-of-body experience, which, which, is a, which is explained as uh, pratyahara in yoga, you know, where you sort of lose body consciousness, but you have full soul consciousness. Um, and, you know, in my reading, even uh, where I, I follow the Self-Realization Fellowship, uh, which Paramahansa Yogananda, you know, started many, many years ago, uh, almost a century ago, and he describes sort of the uh, another facet that even when we merge with spirit, you know, that sort of ultimate enlightenment, samadhi, even when we merge with spirit, we do not lose individual consciousness. It's not that you disappear into spirit. Right. So you, your soul, your uh, individuality doesn't actually just evaporate. So it's, that's, that was a really another fascinating thing I read recently, which was like, oh, you, you can merge with spirit, but you're still 
the wave in the ocean. You 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 still exist. Yeah, that that was me. I was I was the same person. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because well, that it's uh, interesting that you mentioned uh, Yogananda. I had wanted to read autobiography of a yogi. This one since, right here. Since the seventies, and I just read it. It's a book on miracles. It is a book on miracles, but I have to tell you my experience reading it. Um, well, first of all, when I started writing the book, all of a sudden I felt this urge to study quantum mechanics. Not, I mean, I, my, my faith is unshakable, but I needed to know how these things can truly happen here on earth. Mm -hmm. And it helped, it, it helped. And then I, you know, I, I, I knew that yogis, like advanced yogis, like Yogananda, uh, you know, perform these, you know, paranormal feats. And, uh, and then I had also heard that Greek Orthodox monks in Mount Athos in Greece, and Russian Orthodox monks off the coast of Alaska also perform these feats. And nobody wants to talk about it because, you know, lest you become prideful. So, um, so I knew about the, the Eastern yogis and I did some research on the Eastern Orthodox and I, I couldn't find anything. I, it was just hearsay. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's a book, uh, the mountain of silence and it talks about these monks and just when i let go i met mother Emiliani, and her story is absolutely incredible um so okay uh so this this woman she has now become a very good friend she runs a monastery in maryland and uh, she was, uh, in 1982, uh, the Skywalk, the Skywalks at, I think it was the Marriott Hotel in Kansas City, collapsed, killing 144 people. And she was one of them, one of the people who was injured. And she was crushed. Um, she was under the debris, her knees, broke her ribs and then her neck broke and she says that she was kind of in and out of consciousness and then she says all of a sudden i find myself out out of the un, from under the debris and this man is holding my neck stroking me and telling me that everything's going to be okay while we wait for the first responders well, I think there's something very strange in that sentence I just said, because if there were no first responders, who got her out of the rubble? So, so this woman, um, it, actually, I, I, I have a page on my website, which is just sophiademus.com, uh, eight people who I've had personal contact with that I consider to be mentors, and she is one of them. Um, and I talk about this. And so she 
ended up going to Harvard, getting a PhD in education, uh, converting to Greek Orthodoxy, learning Greek, farm girl from Kansas, and becoming a nun. And when she was going to go to Greece at the foot of Mount Athos, because women are not allowed on the mountain, um, her uh, guru, her mentor said, when you go, go to this, to this one uh, monastery, Simonopetra, and, and I want you to meet my mentor, Elder Emilianos. So she went, and lo and behold, this man was the same person that had cradled her after she became conscious out of the rubble. And, and she uh, straight out asked him twice, were you in the United States at that time? And he would not answer her. So, so he, he bilocated, I guess, you know. And so when I was reading uh, Yogananda, something very bizarre began to happen. It was as if I was having a, a debate with this man. Like he was for real. And I've, I've had this happen once before with A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you're familiar with A Course in Miracles. Um, I would like to take it. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> oh, it, it's, it figures greatly in the book I wrote because it, it actually was the basis of a few of the miracles. Anyway, um, so I'm having a conversation with Yogananda. And one, I'm just going to mention one uh, little thing. So I'm reading about, he's writing about these, uh, these feats that his yogi, uh, his guru performed. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, wait a second, um, you're not supposed to be talking about this stuff. You know, I mean, don't you know that? No, I'm, this is in my head. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was at the bottom of that page or at the beginning of the next page. He says, well, I'm not, I'm not telling you everything. I, I'm not going to write everything. So like, don't worry about that. I, it was like, he's answering me. And I had this thing throughout the book with him. And it was like, he became my, my friend. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about consciousness. I mean, it's, to me, consciousness doesn't have time or place. And it's the book that, that he wrote 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. When I read the book, I could still feel his consciousness in it. Yes. In the words moving through me. And it's if, if anyone hasn't read it, I, it's, it's it, Nithin actually re uh, recommended it to me, which is why I read it. And it's it's transformational. It's oh. transformational to feel the power of a master and to be able to read the words that are in present moment and to experience that journey. And there's there's something here I think that's that's so cool when you talked about miracles. And I don't think it matters if we find out if that teacher was actually there physically or just, you know, spiritually or energetically. The the fact was to that woman, he, he was there. And yes. I think this is where this is where we mess ourselves up, is we doubt ourselves. Oh, well, that didn't happen. That was just coincidence. You know, I ah, maybe I dreamt it. And then we tell other people and we let, we let other people talk us out of our own power, our own miracles, our own 
manifestations. And you had said something before around letting go. And what I've found, be interested in what both of you think, is what I found is when I let go of control or attachment or ego, that's when my life flows and that's when miracles actually happen. Yes. Um, and, and I think that we don't, we forget that they can be small. Like the fact that we're alive having this conversation is a miracle. It's, it's in essence impossible that we're here in this moment right here. That's a miracle. So let's, can we start to let go and witness these things? I had a student years ago and I was at a law firm I taught at. And so you're, I'm around a bunch of lawyers and I've been teaching them yoga and meditation for years. And one of them came into a meeting and she goes, Nick, this is in front of 20 lawyers. She goes, Nick, I got to tell you something. She goes, I was running late for a wedding. I was stressing out. I was freaking out. And she said, my head popped up in the, in her rear view mirror. Like I was in the back seat. She saw my head in the rear view mirror and I told her, relax, go back to what I taught you. Calm down. And did I know what I was doing by locating? No. Did my consciousness? Obviously. Did it happen? Well, it did for her so much so that she felt comfortable to share it in front of 20 other lawyers. And the courage of, of her to share that I thought was incredible. And it happened, right? I didn't do anything, but it happened for her. Therefore, it was real. Therefore, it was a miracle. And I think if we can all start to look and slow down, and take a take a really good honest look at our lives. We can see where all of these things happen often, but they only happen if we're if we are open to them. Because whatever we focus on expands, and whatever we look for, we'll find. So if we're looking for things to not happen, yeah. they won't. If we're open to the reality and the possibility, I believe they will. I've seen many miracles with my master <laughs> sitting with him that I probably won't talk about, <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen them, and I know they're true. Um, so can we learn to let go and trust that these things happen if, if we're open to them? Because there's a whole reality out there that's going on. So, um, well, yeah. And, and whenever, whenever you're ready, you might talk about them because, you know, when these messages are written out there, like Sophia, you know, geez, how many, you read the book recently, you said, you know, after however many beer, years of being on earth. And, and beers. Since you know, the 70s. I mean, and then here we're talking about a book that you just read and and it it, it is transformational. I, I, mm -hmm. I think the book is transformational. And on top of that, this guy is hysterically funny. You know, he's he he he's witty and he's uh creative. And I just absolutely I mean, in a way, uh it's kind of the way I describe my book uh, or describe things in my book uh, because of the, well, it's a memoir as well. Um, but I, I have come to, and this is going to be interesting to, to see your take on this. I'm, I'm not big on manifestation. Okay. So, so we, we learn, uh, you know, that, oh, we can manifest whatever we want. And I believe that the universe, see, we have free will, okay? We have free will and we can do whatever we want. But if you stand back and look at success, it's when you align your will with divine intelligence. So the more we align our will, 
with divine intelligence because divine intelligence knows better than us what is good for us. So uh, say, you know, I want a red Ferrari. I mean, I want a red Ferrari. And all of a sudden, all these things start happening. Like, I can't get the loan, and I can't do this, and an obstacle after obstacle. But damn it, I want that red Ferrari. So I get it because I have free will. So I, I'm racing, crash and die. So maybe I should have paid attention to the obstacles. And to bring it to my life, um, I had made decisions and I, I do have a very strong will. And I had made decisions. Uh, I had decided that I did not want to get married. I had issues and I didn't want somebody telling me what to do. I did not want children. I was focused on my careers and absolutely I did not want to write a book. However, divine intelligence had another plan and what was put in front of me, thank God I paid attention and I, well, I was successful against marriage until I was 45. So, um, but so I got married and uh, 10 years ago, when I started writing my book, my mentor, Father Stephen, uh, he's the closest thing to Jesus. So he goes out and he's uh, opened up covenant houses, which are uh, shelters for uh, homeless youth. And I had, he brought over uh, someone who had landed there. She was from Turkey. And I, I fell in love with her and we adopted her. So now I have a daughter. And, uh, and then I started writing the book. So, so like if I had it my way, I would in no way have the sublime happiness I'm experiencing right now, sublime happiness. So, so that's what I want to say about manifestation. Uh, we just don't know. So how do you feel about that? By the way, just wanted to mention when I read in your, I think it was part of your intro or somewhere where it said, you know, she's done this, she's done this, she's done this. And now she's sublimely happy. And I was like, that's exactly what I wanted my intro to say. So <laughs> thank you for putting that out there, by the way, which is like, you don't necessarily need to be just doing everything. You can just be happy yeah, you know, in your current moment. But to the, to what you just described, it actually makes perfect sense. You know, we have a free will and there is a divine plan, which is executing regardless of even if we use our free will or not, right? There's, there are billions of actions happening all around us even and that's just within on this earth you know all the time let alone as part of the larger universe which is morphing and changing in countless ways um, that are just even you know beyond our comprehension and um and knowing so there is obviously a plan right yeah there's oh, oh there's definitely and i don't know if it's uh I think it's more of a roadmap. I mean, like a roadmap. It's a, it's, um, 
of something that you, you know, you, you follow and, and then say, okay, no, I'm going to take this road now, you know, or I'm going to take this road. And, and, and then coincidences also happen to confirm that you're on the right road. And that's happened to me so many times, which I describe. But now, after saying that about manifestation, uh, it's funny. Um, when I, I was starting my uh, uh, fashion design business, I read Stephen Covey's book, uh, Seven Habits for Highly Successful People. And what he had you do is first write your life's mission statement, and then your family mission statement, and then finally, your operational mission statement. And I struggled for three days to write my life mission statement. And this is really interesting. Um, so what I came up with were three words on my mission statement, and it was to be happy. That was my mission statement. And here I am. So I must have manifested that. And I think that there's some things that, you know, like that we can uh, pray for and, and receive, like health, when, when, when it's for the greater good. And happiness is something uh, what I would consider very, very uh, coveted here on earth. And, and I don't have to do all this manifestation that I hear, you know, people like creating like journals and I don't do any work. I just say, please. And thank you, please. And thank you. I ask and I say, thank you. And I say, thank you. Ceaselessly, ceaselessly. I just say, thank you. And I think maybe, maybe I did manifest it. Mm hmm sounds like to me you're acknowledging and validating yourself and the, and the universe around you and it and it's giving back what it wants to see if if you want to be happy you're the universe why wouldn't the universe want you to be happy and then it and then make itself happy as a result i think that's that's perfection i think that the universe wants us to succeed and be happy i really do and and it if it's the wrong way, you get a message. You really get a message. Uh, for, for example, um, I write about our honeymoon. So, because all of these amazing coincidences that turned into little miracles um, for the wedding, and uh, we were uh, we were going to uh, go to Mexico for our honeymoon. And this place was between Huatulco and Puerto, uh, uh, Puerto Escondido, Puerto Escondido. So it was right in the middle. And this guy had like nine uh, adobe huts on a bluff overlooking the ocean. My, my uh, friend would go there every summer. And uh, so we would have one of these huts and he's a cordon bleu chef. So it just sounded like this incredible experience. So we, um, I was told that, I, that you did not need a passport to get into Mexico. 
So I didn't get one. Frank had his, you know, I, I government issued license. That's all I had. So we go to the airport and the guy says, where's your passport? And I said, you don't need a passport to get into Mexico. And he says, well, you're right, but you need one to get back in the States. I'm like, oh my God. And so we raced back, missed the plane. And my, I'm like, I, I was so depressed. You know, I was so wanting to be on that plane. So Frank says, my husband, he goes, look, let's get on the next plane and go have dinner in Mexico City. And then we could leave the next day from that, from the airport. Great. So I get my birth certificate, which was valid. And we go back and we have this great, we've got a great hotel and this wonderful meal. And next day we go to the airport and we're on our way to Huatulco. And we, that was the last plane that was going. It had left. I mean, it, it, there was no more planes going to Huatulco because there was a, tornado, a hurricane. I'm like, I don't care if there's a hurricane. It's my honeymoon. I'm going to Huatulco. And uh, they said, well, then 20, get on that gate. It's The plane is leaving in 20 minutes for Puerto Escondido. So we run, we make it on the plane. We arrive there. All the the palm trees were like sideways. I mean, there was just, it was intense. So- uh, That must I, have been a fun landing. It was, it was a fun landing. Coming in hot. It was, it was the last plane that was, they were accepting in Puerto Escondido. So we ended up at my friend's, fr uh, her friend had this fantastic resort uh, there. And we, I knew something was wrong when we were having lunch and part of the thatched roof came into my soup. And um, so I said, you know, we need, we need some, uh, can we order something? Cause I thought they're going home. And where, how are we going to have dinner tonight? So they said, well, the kitchen is closed. They're just making food for us. I said, just whatever you're having. So we got these um, omelet sandwiches. We had wine from the wedding. <clears throat> we go to our room, no water, no running water. We had uh, bottles of water. Uh, and we had this great evening. And then the next day found out that 450 people had died in the vicinity and we couldn't go to the place where we were supposed to stay. So we got on a plane and went to Oaxaca and rode out the storm and came back and we went, the, the street was now, the road was open to the huts. And when we got there, there were only two left. Uh, seven of the huts had <clears throat> lance, uh, mudslided into the, uh, over the bluff. So, I mean, it would have been better maybe if I just, we just went to Oaxaca instead, but no, no, that was my will. And that is another um, example of the universe trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. there was a, Dude, there's a this, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to add, you know, um, I've, I've been trying to apply it in my own life. Um, more and more, but Sadhguru, um, who's another mystic from India, you know, t talks about this concept often in his, in many of his videos, where he says, 
where he says, you know, just just be like the breeze. You know, just just flow. The more you resist, the more you push. Yes, you can apply your free will, but whether or not things work out your way, it's up for a toss. He's like, well, you it know, takes if you can time. be at ease. Yeah, and yeah, he, you know, to his followers and students, he talks about like, be at ease. You know, just be like the just be like the breeze. If there's an obstacle coming your way, go with the flow. Well, um, it's but be human. It's it's hard to do at first. Yeah. But um, what I found uh, is that after a while. After you see the output of your inner voice, okay, you start to trust it more. The more you trust your inner voice, the more uh, good advice it gives you and the more faith you have in it. And so it becomes kind of like your... your um, A virtuous cycle. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like it, it, it kind of becomes your guru, but mm -hmm. then you're human, you know, it's like you're human. And uh, what I found is that it's it becomes easier to be the breeze because you you're trusting, you know, you can't just be the breeze if you don't trust the universe. I, right. I can't see it happening. But and I think there's a there's a, a practice there that I'm hearing in the sense of it's a tendency, right? It's like whatever I think, say, or do I manifest. And I think the, the biggest piece there is whatever I think, say, or do I manifest, not only the good things, whatever I think, say, and do when I ask for more, I get more. So if my tendency is to be negative, to look for how life is not working for me, it's working against me to be the victim, then I will find that because that's what I'm creating inside me. So the universe goes, okay, well, you're clear. You want, you want things to be tough. You want things to be challenging. You don't want life to go well for you. Okay. And then you start to learn, wait a second. Uh, what if I start to do a mantra of I've got this, I trust myself, I'm capable, you know, I'm perfect. Well, then all of a sudden the tendency in the mind or the grooves that we would call them in, in yoga, the vasanas, the tendencies then start to become more positive. And then what happens? Well, the universe responds, well, you want positive things? Here you go. And it's, it's, it's actually pretty damn easy, but um, it takes practice. Yes. And it takes people around us to go, hey, this is true. This isn't something. You could read this autobiography of a yogi all you want and understand it conceptually, but that doesn't mean you've had an experience of these miracles. And you really got to take this stuff, I think, and put it and take it to the streets and go, okay, what happens if I believe this? What happens if I'm open to miracles? Mm -hmm. What happens if I'm yeah. open to divine timing and manifestation? Like, oh my God, this happens. Just last night, I had dinner with the, C the CEO of one of the biggest tech companies in the world. Hmm. And I'm like, how am I doing this? How am I sitting across from this guy who's an influential person in the world just talking to him like we're, we're normal human beings? After, after that, we ran into one of the players in the Warriors and was able to take a picture with him. It's like, wait a second. How are all these things happening? Mm -hmm. Well, it must be that I'm in a flow. It must be that I am in a sense of ease. It must be that I am open to miracles and that the universe is, is bringing me like energy, right? And it's you, have a very clearly, you have a very clearly declared mission too, Nick, right? 
That's true. You know, it's it's interesting that you said tendency because what I heard was attendant, attend to a a tendency. And I thought, oh, he's making up a great word, you know? I like that. Well, you're right. And so my, my personal mission is to elevate the consciousness of the planet through leaders. And I'm sitting there with a leader on the planet last night and I took my shot. And I said, hey, how is your product helping the world become a better place? Is the way you're operating creating more consumerism or more, you know, growth and potential and prosperity? It's like, but that's what I, that's what I want to be on this planet to do. So you're right, Nitsen. Thank you for that reminder. That I have a clear mission on what I'm doing. And then, wow. Well, Sophia's mission is to be happy. Well, that sounds like she's manifested that. So I, the, what I'm hearing is there's got there's an intent now that we've added into this conversation around what is our intent. And when we have an intention, then I find things start to manifest much more quickly. Uh, and also intent can go either way, by the way. <laughs> there's no good or bad yeah, intent. I believe there's a, there's a saying in Buddhism, right? That we're, we're all sitting under a wishing tree and it's a matter of what wish we're making. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and, it, and mm-hmm. sometimes it works. Um, like, for example, uh, I, when, I, when I was uh, actually... It was when, before I went to architecture school, um, I was in Italy. Uh, I was, uh, I had gotten a scholarship to go there and uh, study Etruscanology. And one of my roommates uh, asked me one night, I mean, we would have these philosophical discussions. I was like 23 and we would smoke Galois cigarettes. And he said, who would you be with? If you could spend a half an hour with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And I, who knows? I don't know what I said. It doesn't matter. I said, well, who would it be for you? And he said, Buckminster Fuller. And I'm like, oh, why? I mean, okay, I, I knew that he had um, invented the uh, uh, geodesic dome. And Ward gets up and brings me this thin, thin little book, which was one poem called No Secondhand God. And this man, Buckminster Fuller, became my idol. And that's when I decided to go into architecture. And I I write about this in the book that a series of coincidences took place where I not only met him, but um, I had a, a correspondence with him and Uh, he asked me to work with him when I graduated from architecture school. Amazing, by the way. Sorry? Amazing. Well, but, but, you know, because Nick was saying how, like, how did this happen? Well, Mm -hmm. I never sat there going, I want to work with Buckminster Fuller. It, It was just the universe. I mean, it, he... I had, I guess I was, had a certain focus, but those things happen. The more, see, the more you, you, um, the more these things happen and you can talk about it like you just did with this, you know, having dinner with the CEO, the, the more will happen, the more Mm -hmm. will happen around you and you can manifest all you want. I mean, you know, if you have, the correct, if you have, you want goodness, uh, 
these things will happen again and again because again why did all these things happen to me i i i really don't know other than i paid attention and and you know and then to be able to talk about it and have you talk about it as well you know and there's there's a i think there's another piece here too and and what they talk about this in the yoga sutras when they talk about the cities which are, are there the yogic powers and to me, I think the yogic powers are kind of a setup of here's these things you can do. You can bilocate. You can be, you know, you can be all knowing. You can hear things. You can feel things. You can understand people's thoughts. And at the end, I think what Patanjali does, he kind of pulls the rug out under, underneath from underneath us and he says, oh, but don't make these your goal. Don't be attached to these things because if you're attached to these, then you bring an ego. And the same thing I found with manifesting is yes. if I am attached to the results of my efforts, then I don't create what I want because now I have ego involved. And if I don't, and also if I don't acknowledge the things that are brought to me, then those things that are being brought to me stop coming. Yes. So there's this, there's this cool play here also that you had mentioned before of letting go. It's being clear with intent on what you want to create, but also being unattached to the, the results. You know, right? it, it becomes easier and easier because it's, it's now, let's say that, um, like today, if I was, you know, looking forward to going to, uh, I don't know, uh, Paris, and and that thing happened that I missed the plane, it's kind of like, oh well, you know, it's like you just like you said, I feel so much less attached mm -hmm. to what I want. Uh, than ever before, and 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 so I wonder if there's like this ratio of uh, being detached less and less, and happiness growing more and more. I think so. There's actually a framework for it in the Yoga Sutras. It's called Abhyasa and Vairagya, which means a hundred percent effort and non-attachment to the results. I, I think for me, that's the equation of whatever I do, I fully do it in Zen. When I sit, I sit. When I eat, I eat. And I lay my actions at the feet of the gods. And that would be karma, karma yoga, where here's all my efforts, and then I will let the universe decide what's the right next step. Because I, from this limited personality, I don't know what's mm -hmm. good for the universe. I know what's yes. good for me in the moment, maybe. But if we can do that, be all in, play all out and unattached, I think that's the secret to manifesting a ton, creating a full life, and finding happiness because we're not attached to the outcomes um, and we have no expectations or assumptions and we're living in the present moment. It's, it's really a blend. And these are, these have taken you 70 years to, to cultivate, right. And to bring together and, you know, and, and Nitin and I are in our, yeah, and I don't even have a to practice. You know, yeah. I don't, well, it sounds don't like you do. Guru. It's you, <laughs> you know? It, yeah. I mean, it, it's, but what you just said is exactly the, I mean, I, you know, you were talking and I thought, God, what if everybody thought like that? What if everybody practiced that? I mean, we would have paradise. I'm... Or what if people knew that it, what if more people knew it was possible to be happy? And that was a reality wow. they can, and that's a reality that they could live in. And they don't need anything outside of themselves to create that. Well, then I think we can do that by having these conversations. And maybe one person listens and go, whoa, well, if the three of them can do it, they sound like normal people. Well, then maybe I can do it too. And I think that's how as leaders we can shift the consciousness is, is through that and letting people know it's possible. And I think back to what Nitin had said earlier of 
with your meditation. It's going to look different for all of us. That's important too. Happiness for the three of us is different. Yes. And remembering happiness in ourselves is going to be unique to that to us in the moment. So not to have a picture of it. Or well, Sophia's meditation was, was like this. Nitin's was like this. Nick's was like this. No. What's your version, right? What's your experience? Of, and if we can do that, that's where I think a lot of happiness is. Yeah. A lot, lot of people make, you know, this sort of like core assumption that like, oh, in order for me to get to X, I'm going to have to be miserable because mm -hmm. that's the only way. I can actually get to whatever, you know, outcome I desire, whether it's like you want to be a VP of an organization. I mean, I get this question all the time from some of my clients that are, you know, aspiring professionals. Oh, yeah, I don't want to be a CEO, you know, uh, it's so much work and no sleep and so much tension. I'm like, well, if you love, if you go become a CEO of something you truly like to do, you have the power to determine how you structure your day and everything that you do within it. So why is there an assumption that you're going to have to be miserable in order to have this great contribution in the world? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we're putting on those blinders on ourselves and already creating the path from that point of view versus saying like simply to what you said, Nick, Hey, I'm going to, I want X and I'm going to be happy doing it. Right. That's going to be a slightly different path. They're going to make different choices. And I think it's so true, Nick, what you said, like to the core of if every if everyone, if everyone can recognize that you can be happy doing whatever it is you want to do and whatever path you may go down, that choice literally does exist. Mm -hmm. We've often made a counter choice through like an unconscious belief or maybe a conscious belief that is taking us down a path that we actually don't need to be going down. And the world would fully change. You know, the universe does want this to be a happy world. Actually, one of the first things they talk about as you keep going deeper and deeper in meditation, what do you experience is deeper and deeper states of joy. Mm -hmm. Joy to the point that it overwhelms you and floods you through your body like no other joy you've ever experienced. And why does that? I mean, I sometimes ask them like, huh, why, why does that exist? Why is joy like? happiness joy why is that the core of even when i'm still that's what's occurring within me um i haven't answered that question yet but it definitely exists as a you know sort of like a very core foundational behavior or trait to how we're made and what we're desiring and th there's no reason to not desire it so i think yeah you know maybe for everyone that's listening it's just can you if you if happiness is what you truly desire and most of us do can we stop denying ourselves happiness and start viewing our actions and the path we're on and we need we'll make whatever changes are needed to be made but choose to be happy choose to be happy can it even be as simple as if hap let's say happiness is my intention okay now the next action i'm going to take is what action, if I have two options, if it's going on the plane to Mexico or not, which one is going to make me happy? That could be a pretty easy framework to decide how to live through your life, right? Happiness is my goal. Okay, well, then what in this moment is going to bring that? What in this moment is not going to bring that? Do more of what you love and less of what you don't love. I think that that's a pretty good start right there to finding more joy in the world and more joy in ourselves. Um, and I think we got to practice it because the world's not telling us to do that. Yeah.
And there's even like, you know, as, as Sophia was actually describing, when you were describing various decisions you were making, you were talking about like, oh, I don't want to write a book and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. I don't want to get married. There was a lot of I don't. And the moment I heard you talk about like, but I do want to be happy. And there's the what I do want to do. That's another framework, at least I've seen in my short lifespan to date, is when I shift from what I don't want, it's fine to be clear on what you don't want. That does help. But then also add on the what you do want, which is what many people are missing. We're not spending enough time thinking about what the hell do we really want? What the hell do we want this life to be about? How do we want to show up? What kind of values and energy and uh, you know, if you want to create love around you, then what does it look like? Think about it, feel it, visualize it. And the more you get clear about what you actually want, then at least you've now created your roadmap, right? You'll find out eventually if it lines up with the universe's roadmap and can it happen for you. But at least you're now putting your energy in the direction of, I have a limited time here on earth. Here's what I think I want to create or what I want to be part of. And you start rowing in that direction. And frankly, believe it or not, like all of us have experienced on this call, the universe wants to help you get there. Mm-hmm. Happiness is in alignment with the universe's roadmap. Well, that was a good quote. Happiness is in alignment with the universe's roadmap. Wow. I agree. Wow, that was cool. <laughs> Gave me chills too. <laughs> Nice flow, man. I don't think I've seen you transmit like that before. That might have been your first genuine stream of consciousness right there. We just got to witness. Thank you. Thanks. I mean, another another one that I just wanted to briefly share actually was, you know, we're t- this whole conversation is about miracles. And frankly, like, yeah, even in my short life so far, there have been so many what I would have referred to as coincidences in the past. But now that I look back, it's just like one after the other, after the other, after the other. And I, you know, I've talked to my brother-in-laws about this, explaining certain things. And, you know, oftentimes the reaction can be like, oh yeah, you know, coincidence. Yeah, stuff happens. Sometimes cool things Mm -hmm. happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, man, how can 15 years of coincidences keep happening that just unlock the very next thing that I need to do. I mean, I'll give you a very true, well, they're all true, but a very real <laughs> recent example, which is um, in January for my work, I was actually looking to find a company that would help us do some work around sustainability that had to be a very specific type of company. It had to be thinking through all these major customer issues in the world and how to help translate that into a for-profit business working for small businesses, et cetera. It was very specific. And I'm like, man, how am I ever going to find this company? But I know I have to find this company. I'm on a random call with another group call. And someone mentions a project they've done with the very company that I now need to do that project with. And I'm actually doing it. I reached out to them. They were the perfect company. I didn't need to look at competition. I didn't need to evaluate anything. It was just like, boom, boom, boom. And now we're on the path to like execution. And one after the other, I just keep finding the right people mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. Even the book that we spent, you know, a good conversation talking here about um, today, you know, autobiography of a yogi. 
for me, I met my wife through a particular daily chant that I used to do. I was had such really bad luck meeting women and I and I eventually instead of saying what I don't want or what is is not happening right, I started talking about what I actually want in a partner. And I started visualizing it, I wrote it down and I would repeat it every day. 6 6 months later I met my wife. And my wife a year later found the autobiography of a yogi sitting in her school as a free book being given out and said, oh, I'm not, I know this guy likes spirituality. I'm just going to go give it to him. She gives me the book. I had been at that time asking for my spiritual path. And I get handed the book and I read the book. And of course, just like your reaction, I'm just like, okay, I have my spiritual path. Yes. Mm. Wow. So the more I just... And I'm actually was literally thinking about it here. I was like, okay, what do I want next? You know, in life, sort of, is there an aspiration, a dream, or something? And as long as I keep asking my question, asking that question of what do I want, what do I want to focus on, mm-hmm. or create, or experience, and I actually spend time, energy, and focus towards that. And yes, for a lot of folks, sometimes they say, well, do I just have to think about it? No, you do actually have to take some action as well. You can't just sit on your ass get up, take the action that you're capable of, whatever is directly in front of you. Uh, a, a very famous uh, yogi, in fact, a, a very famous saint in India talks about this. The only action you need to concern yourself with is the one that is directly in front of you. It's obvious. As long as you take that, the next one will become clear too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stop there. But that's, that's uh, To me, action is, again what can possibly turn a coincidence into a miracle is mm. to take action on it. Like, oh, I, I haven't thought of this person in whatever years and here is something that he, this person gave me. I'm going to call that person. You know, just take action. That's, that's the key. Very cool. Very cool. Great combo team. Um, Sophia, I think this is a good spot for us to kind of wrap up. Is there any, any last thoughts you'd like to share or anything you have going on that uh, people can, can get involved with? We'll share your website and, and some ways for people to reach out. But is there anything you'd like to end with or some thoughts for the road? Well, I want people to know that these coincidences, miracles, uh, don't just happen to us, okay? Mm. Anyone is a candidate to experience these these miracles, and um, uh, and so I just I want people to know that and that they too can be sublimely happy. Yeah, well said. Thank you, Sophia. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. This, this this conversation itself felt miraculous. So um, thank you for that. And thank you for being the first woman on our podcast as well. Yes. We actually <laughs> had just said two weeks ago, we said, we haven't interviewed a woman yet. We need to. And then boom, you, you came across my uh, screen the next day. So there is a perfect example of turning a coincidence into an action and making it a miracle because we had, we had spoke that into reality and the next day, 
you came across my desk. So that was well, pretty cool. Pretty so cool there, you know, um, it's really interesting. Uh, now we're done, right? We're done. We can, and we're, and we're done. Okay. <laughs> okay so um, Hold on, but, let me, uh, let me end it real quick. Uh, where's the... This next conversation anchors around a particular saying I've often used, which is, there's way more to life than what appears at the surface. And that becomes really clear as Sophia Damas, who we speak with next, shares some of her life experiences and how many coincidenting events add up to what really ends up becoming a miracle. This may seem like a little voo-voo to some of you out there who are a little bit on the fence and haven't quite crossed that bridge yet, but I would still challenge you to, to take the time to listen to this conversation, challenge some of your assumptions, and perhaps open up a higher possibility for yourself in your life. Listen in.